Welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. Are you ready to get into it? Yeah. So the topic this morning is death. And just to clarify, I'm not talking about spiritual death, what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm not talking about what happens after you die at death. I'm talking about our perspective on physical death. What is our perspective on death? What's our perspective, the end of our mortal bodies and our life here? What's our perspective on our friends and family who die? And you might think, what a morbid topic. Why would we want to be talking about that? And I think mostly because I think we need a perspective on physical death. I think we need to understand it in order to be able to manage it, to handle it, to know what to do with it. So I'm going to start with my qualifications to talk about this subject. You see, when I was 26 years old, my father died, my mother-in-law died, my grandmother died, and my grandfather-in-law died all in an 18-month period. We had a funeral literally every six months for a year and a half. Uh, When I was 38 years old, my wife of 16 years, a 20-year relationship, died. When I was 43 years old, my mom died. And so I've conducted many funerals, and I've attended many other funerals. And does that make me special or unique? No. It simply makes me familiar with death. I know the sadness and the seriousness that death can bring about. I know what it's like to have someone very, very, very close to you die. And I know what it's like to have several people around you die. And I wanna say this up front before I get too far into this today. For those of you who are going through this process now, I know it's hard. It is indeed a difficult thing to deal with, but I want you to know that nothing I'm gonna say today is meant to be insensitive or uncaring to the process we go through when someone around us dies. I know it's hard, but I hope to help you today, especially for those who are gonna face it in the future. So we gotta start with the basics. Here's the basics. We are born, we live, and we die. That's not really avoidable unless Christ returns. And if you wanna know what I'm doing right now, I'm checking the air conditioner. Because I see a lot of fans going on in the room and either you're really nervous about this subject or something ain't working right. This one ain't working right, but we'll get there. So that being the basics that we all have to face it, what does that mean for our life that we all have a certain number of days to live? I'm going to go to Job 14, 1 through 5. Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and doesn't remain. You also open your eyes on him and bring him into judgment with yourself. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Since 
his days, man, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you, God, and his limits have set so that he cannot pass. Psalm 139, 16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not a one of them. So we read in the scripture that there is an ordained, determined number of days that we have. You'll notice it didn't say you are guaranteed anything. It said God has already ordained and determined the number of your days. Man, we struggle with that. We struggle with that because we don't want a determined number of days. We want when things go bad to pray and God keeps us going. But it doesn't work that way. And we all know this because we say things like, well, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Only God knows the number of your days. Hey, live like today will be your last day. But the truth is, when we sit down and talk one-on-one, -on -one, the truth is we're all planning on the 80 years. We are. That's our game plan. It's a retirement plan. It's a live a long life plan. Psalms 90, 10. As for the days of your life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years, yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it's gone and we fly away. So the truth is, and this is kind of a harsh place to start, but the truth is we don't know. We don't know how many days we have. We don't know what has been preordained for us so then we get to the moment of truth in our conversation here that unless Jesus returns, we will all physically die. Unless Jesus returns, the people who are special to us in our lives will die. And unless we have a healthy perspective on death, when that time comes, we will struggle. So I want to get into the Word of God today and talk about what should our perspective on that moment that ends life, what should it be? I'm going to start in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul is talking about the earthly bodies that we have compared to the eternal bodies that we will put on. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, not a house made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we're in this tent, we groan being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And it's from this scripture that I want to begin to talk about what our perspective should be on death. This scripture tells us that we actually have a longing to move into the eternal. In you, in your spirit, attempting to be released to your soul, that's where the battle is, is the longing and desire to be eternally with God, to be clothed in your eternal dwelling, for this to be over and for us to move into that place that he has prepared for us. We have a longing to move to our heavenly home and a longing to leave this life and move to the next. And some of you are like, you're crazy, not for me. I just want to stay here and do what we do. 
But let's be honest, when we talk about that longing that God says is inside of us, most of us don't want to because we know this and we want to stay in this because we know this and we just want to enjoy our life and we don't want to die and we want to be around the people we're around. And it seems like it's a very totally healthy thing to think that I don't want to leave. I just want to be here and I want to be around you and I want to work together and I want to be friends and I want to live this life out. But then Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 5 and 6 and 7 and he says this, therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Seven, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That'll mean something in a minute. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from this body and to be home with the Lord. Paul makes a great point to start with that as long as you are here, you are absent from the Lord. As long as you are here, you are not in his presence. But there was a, a subtle thing that he pointed out and it kind of grabbed me and I got to look into it. He says, as long as we're here, we're walking by faith. But when we're in the presence of the Lord, we are walking by sight. Did you hear it? For we walk by faith, not by sight. What's his point? Our faith is fulfilled when we see the Lord. It is completed when we see his presence face to face. So once I am standing face to face with Christ, I am not relying on my faith any longer. Well, that was deep. Once I am face to face with Christ, I am no longer relying on my faith. Here on this earth, I walk by faith. Why? Because I am not in heaven with Jesus. Think about it. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I want you to take that scripture that you're very, very familiar with and connect it with what Paul just said. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And Paul said, while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord because we're walking by faith and not by sight. My entire journey on this earth is an assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of the things I can't see. My entire journey on this earth is believing what I am hoping for and being convinced in what I cannot see is actually there. My entire journey on this earth is the believing that Jesus is in eternity waiting for me and when I arrive, I will see him face to face. Now stay with me because we're going to go kind of deep here. I'm walking out this life because I am convinced of seeing Jesus face to face. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved. Beloved, now we are children of God. 
and it has not appeared yet as to what we will be. We know that when he appears, we'll be like him because we will see him just as he is. When I am no longer walking by faith, I will see Jesus. And because I see Jesus, I will be like him. And I will be like him because I will see him just as he is. That's deep. I am not going to be like Jesus until I see Jesus because when I see Jesus I will see him just as he is and I will be like him oh my that to me is enthralling I currently have to walk out faith because I can't see Jesus it means I will never actually be like Jesus until I am with Jesus why because I'm not with him I am here waiting to be with him to me this is the most fascinating amazing glorious enthralling enticing intriguing thought of what happens when I stand in the presence of Jesus and become like him one day I'll be with him forever one day I'll leave this body and step into the presence of Jesus one day I will have a resurrected body one day I will get to be like Jesus one day all sickness all sadness all pain all toil all depression all anxiety all fear and every other negative aspect of this life will be gone and I will be with Jesus and like Jesus in a glorified body compassionate humble loving servant ruling and reigning victoriously I could speak for hours on the glory of being with Jesus in eternity I could speak of the unthinkable beauty in the heavenly realm I could speak of the miraculous being the mundane I could speak of colors and sounds and feelings and joy that I've never felt or seen before. I could speak of the mortal being cast off and the immortal being eternal. Listen to me. It is the goal of every life to be in the presence of Jesus forever. But let's be honest. When we talk about death, we talk about like it's over. Like it's done. Like, oh well, they died. Why? Why? We're missing the legitimate perspective on what that death is. See, God never, ever, everybody say never. Never saw my life as 80 years. Never saw my life as the number of days that he ordained for me. He always saw me as eternal with him. He always saw my life on a bigger picture than the mortalness that I walk out here. God saw me as an eternal spiritual being, a child of his to claim, to bring into the kingdom and to prepare a room for and to live eternally with. I, in turn, am believing that I will leave this life and enter into the rest of life in the presence of Jesus. John 14, one through three. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. 
In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it weren't so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that what we're all waiting for? Isn't that what we say in the Christian life is what we all want? Isn't that going to be the most glorious fulfillment day of our entire life on this earth? The greatest moment of my life is the day I leave this one. So if that's the plan, does my faith indicate that I believe that plan? Does my reaction to a Christian dying indicate that I believe the truth is they just stepped into the presence of Jesus for eternity? And I know it's a sensitive, it's a complicated kind of issue, but shouldn't death for the believer be the grandest day of reward ever? So what's the problem? We fall into the trap of defining our life as 80 years. We fall into the trap of saying, this is life. We don't know what comes afterwards. Hopefully there's something there, but I just gotta live this one to the fullest. We fall in that trap and we say we believe in a bigger picture. We say we believe in eternity that's prepared for us. We say we believe in stepping into the presence of Jesus. And yet when it happens, we struggle with it. Paul sums it up this way in Philippians 1. Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What was he saying? He was saying, if I'm going to be here, it's gonna be about Jesus. It's gonna be about his kingdom. It's gonna be about bringing others into the kingdom. It's gonna be about releasing joy and releasing peace. It's gonna be about sharing truth with people so they're not confused and living in chaos and depression and anxiety. I'm gonna live for Christ and I'm gonna do his work, but guess what? If I die, I'm in his presence. I stand before him. I see the glories of my Savior. I don't know about you, but I see it as an impossible place to stand. I'm gonna be a weeping mess. I'm just telling you, I'm gonna, he's gonna have to say, would you get up now? <laughs> 22, but if I am to live on in the flesh, if I keep pursuing the flesh, if, if I continue alive in this mortal body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And listen to Paul, I don't know which one to choose. I don't know if it's better to stay here and share Christ and watch people get healed and saved or go be with him. But I'm hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. Some of us are told that's kind of morbid. But wait till you meet an 80-year-old who has spent their life serving Jesus Christ. And they look to you and say, I just want to go be with Jesus. And my only response is, that's beautiful. That's how it's supposed to go down. For that, Paul says, is very much better 
I love the English. Paul says it's very much better to be with Jesus. Yet to remain on in the flesh, it's necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy and faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound through Jesus Christ through coming to you again. Paul knows he has a numbered set of days and Paul says, if he leaves me here, I'm helping you. I'm introducing you to him. I'm talking about his greatness. I'm working in the kingdom. I'm accomplishing the plans he has for me. But guess what? I can't wait till he takes me home. So why are we still here? I think that's the big question a lot of Christians ask. If I got saved, why doesn't he just take me home now? Why doesn't he just take me out of this world that's full of sin and chaos and darkness and temptation? If I'm now his child, why doesn't he love me enough just to take me home? Get ready, strap in. You are not going to like what I'm about to say. God is watching you at work now on earth and will use that information to determine what you will do in his kingdom for eternity. That can be a terrifying statement. That God is saying, I gave you talents. There'll be an accountability. I have mission and responsibility for you. I want to see how you do, listen to me, in the little things. Because I have big things for you to be responsible for. You remember the parable of the minas? When he gave them minas and then he came back and said, you have done so well, I'm going to put you. Master has returned. Story is master has returned. That's Jesus. Jesus has returned and he says, I'm going to put you over 10 cities. I'm going to put you over five cities. Why? Because of how you handled yourself while you were here. Oh. All of a sudden, there's a new accountability in my life. His name is God. So I want to end by telling you a few things that I've experienced about death that helped me with it. First, when someone very close to you dies, listen to me, it brings heaven closer into your reality. Okay, it brings heaven closer. In, in other words, you now know someone who has experienced the transition from the mortal to the eternal. You personally know them. And so you picture them, you see them, you wonder in scripture if all of that thing that was there is actually something they're now experienced. So you become closer. Your spouse, your friend, your family member has actually done what you will do one day and it's real for them and it just becomes more real for you. Number two, what will your faith say about your belief in heaven by the way other people see you deal with the death of a person close to you? If that person is a believer, what will your response to their death say? And I'm not telling you to be fake. Not at all. There is a legitimate sorrow and mourning, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the reality is, if we believe in this thing called Christianity, if we believe in salvation, if we believe in an eternity with God, then things like, God, why did this have to happen? Shouldn't come out of our mouth. 
It, it shouldn't. Because if he predetermined and ordained the days, he predetermined and ordained the days. And when I go to questioning him and saying, why did you let this happen? But they were so young. Listen to me. Do you want to know why some people die so young? Because he wants to give them heaven before you. Oh, listen to me. I'm going to tell my own story. I was 38 years old and my wife had died of cancer. I had two kids, girls, four and six years old. That day I had to come home and tell them what happened because we didn't allow them to be at the hospital because there was just too many cords and wires and tubes. Well, about a year before that, we had gone to a place called Gulf Shores, a beach place, hang out on the beach all day, play in the sand, have a good time. They loved that vacation. So I sat down with these two little girls and I said, I have a question for you. If we were gonna go back to Gulf Shores, but we couldn't go for another two weeks, but mom could go today, do you want her to go ahead and go and we'll catch up with her or do you want her to stay here until we can all go together? Both of them said, Dad, why would we keep her from going? She loves it there, let her go. I said, girls, that's what's happened today. She went on to heaven. We are going to catch up with her one day, but she gets the glory of it today and we'll see it one day. Third, mourning. Mourning is a legitimate, confusing thing. And listen to me, everybody does it differently. Everybody mourns differently. Don't expect people to mourn the way you mourn. Don't judge a person because they don't fit into your mourning mold. Uh, some people will mourn in public, some do not. We mourn the loss of the person in our life. We have to celebrate the gain it was for them. But I'm just telling you, some of us, it sits until a year later and it comes rushing out. For some of us, it just devastates. I can remember being on a manufacturing floor in Carrollton, Texas, running a manufacturing plant, walking down the aisle, this is about a month after, and all of a sudden a weeping came over me that was so intense, I literally had to run back to my office and I said, God, what is this? He said, you're mourning. The corpuscles in my cheeks broke. My cheeks were bloody. Talk about something weird to explain to everybody, but I finally understood what it meant that Christ had sweat like blood in the garden because you can weep to the point that your face begins to break and you bleed. And then there were days where I was just strong. I was walking around like, hey, it happened, let's get on with it. And people were just stunned, like, what in the world? How do you just go on? You just do because you know she's in Gulf Shores. Fourth, funerals can bring out the best and the worst in people. Who gets invited? Who's not invited? Who gets to sit where? Who gets to speak? Who wants to prove at the funeral that they had uh, the relationship with the departed that nobody else had? And part of that is just how people mourn. And we gotta have grace for it. And you gotta recognize that some people at your family funeral are just gonna be weird. Let them be weird. Let them be weird. You'll get through it. 
Fifth, the last thing you say to someone before they die is not the most important. So many people, I had to take a plane, I flew all the way there and I got there and I found out they died just an hour before I got there and I just feel miserable, I feel awful. Listen to me, the last thing you say is not the most important. How you lived your life with them is the most important. You may not have been able to say goodbye. You may not have been able to say, I love you one more time. But if you lived a life that supported them and loved them, they know. They don't have to hear it one more time. They knew. Six, if you were to ask a person that's in heaven right now what they want for you, what do you think they would say? When I counsel, especially in a husband and wife situation where one has died, the other mourns, the other doesn't know how to go on, the other doesn't know what to do. Here's the best advice I can give you. What would your spouse want you to do? Would your spouse who has already departed want you to spend the next three years at home mourning by yourself? I ask it the opposite way. If you were the one who left first and you were looking back on your spouse, would you want them to stay at home mourning for the next three years? No. No, not if we believe we're ending up in the same place. Why would we do that? I think that person who is in eternity would say, I don't want you alone and sad and lonely. Get out, go enjoy life, make the most of this. Walk with Christ, let him bless you, let him bring you joy, let him bring you peace. And maybe someone else in your life who could take care of you, who would be there for you. Seven. What do we do when a believer dies young? We remember it's still the most glorious day of their life. And we have to view it as they got to go early. They got to go before. They didn't have to stay here 80 years. They're already in a glory we don't even understand. Praise God, they got it before we did. Maybe I stopped questioning. Why did God decide their years was 28? Does God owe you an explanation of why he decided their years were 28? No, because he gave them a reward at 28 years and you're still waiting for it at 61. But if God is in control, why did he let them die? Because we all die. Because we weren't meant to be mortal forever. We were meant to step over into eternity, but why so young? so he could give them heaven for a longer period than he's given it to you. We have to stop thinking this life is better than the next. This life is not better than the next. The next is clearly better. The next we don't have arthritis. The next we don't have depression. The next we don't have bills. Hey. And, and literally, maybe I'll do a message about this one day, but I still believe there are so many undescribable things ahead of us in our eternity. What do I mean by that? I mean notes you've never heard sung. 
octaves you've never heard together. Jan and I were in a place where we heard an angelic host singing and they were singing notes that couldn't humanly be sung and it was amazing. I think there are colors you've never seen. I think there are sounds you've never heard. I think scripture indicates that even the flowers and the trees have voices. This is going to be phenomenal. And let me just say this. There is no one. There is no one in heaven right now that wants to be back on this earth. No one. No one. Why would you go from perfection and beauty and eternity back into the flesh and the turmoil and the problems? I'm ready to go. So it's not a morbid desire to die. It's an understanding that for the believer, death is the opportunity to receive the full reward we've been waiting for. It's encouraging. It's the plan. It's the plan we're all headed toward. It's the plan we all want. Because when that happens, we will be face to face with Jesus forever. And I believe we have to start looking more at this life as a temporal, temporary thing. Scripture says that it's like a vapor that vanishes in the wind. When my spouse died, I had a friend come to me who got it. This is what they did. They said, Todd, I want you to think of a day last year, one day last year. Pick any day, the most amazing day you ever had last year. And if you were to recount that entire day to me, how long do you think it would take you to tell me every detail that you can remember about that day? So, I don't know, maybe three hours. Okay. I want you to pick a day now that was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, any day you want from 10 years ago, if you were to tell me everything that happened about that day, how long do you think it would take you to tell me? 10 years ago, maybe an hour. What if you could give me a day 50 years ago? What if you could give me a day a hundred years ago. And then they looked me square at the face and said, what if it was a day 250,000 years ago? How much could you tell me about it? And I said, I, I have no idea. Maybe who I was married to, who my kids were. And they said, do you realize you're getting all upset about being away from somebody for 40 years? It'll seem like nothing in eternity. It'll seem like a, a temporary vacation that they went on that you didn't go with them. It'll seem brief and short when for all eternity we are together. Listen, I'm not going to miss any of you. <laughs> there might be a reasonably good chance you're going to get tired of me in heaven. We're going to be together for so long. So if you leave here today, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Now listen to me. It ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to be easy for me because you bring something to the table. You bring a joy to the table. You bring an intelligent conversation to the table. You bring a laughter to the table. I enjoy doing my life with you. But if you're going to ask me, would I rather have you here or you be in heaven? I'm picking heaven every time and I hope you're picking it for me. Now, everything, everything I had to say today, 
everything about the perspective of death in eternity. Everything about finally getting a handle on the fact that we can mourn the loss of someone and we can celebrate their reward. Every bit of that is true unless you don't know the Savior. Because if you don't know the Savior, then when you leave this life, you are not going into his presence. You are going into an eternity separated from him, full of torment. That just sounds horrible. But today, if that's you, he's gonna give you the opportunity right now to change your eternity. The opportunity right now to know that if I get hit by that car on the way home, it's Jesus' presence forever, joy, rejoicing, beauty, all of that, as opposed to separated from him in darkness and torment. You see, God created this earth and he created man and woman and he put them on the earth and he said, this is for you to enjoy, but don't eat from this tree. The knowledge of good and evil and they ate from it. Satan came and deceived them. Now, it's not about the fruit. It's not even about Satan. It was about disobedience. It was about choosing someone to listen to besides God. Listen to me. Whoever you are submitted to, you will spend your eternity with. If you are submitted to God, if you are submitted to Jesus, you will spend your eternity with him. If you're submitted to the enemy and what he tells you to do and following that, you will spend your eternity with the enemy in torment. But when that happened, God came straight to Adam and Eve and said, I will fix this. I don't want you lost eternally. I will make a way for you to spend an eternity with me, even though you have disobeyed, even though you have chose to follow Satan. How did he do it? He sent Jesus. Why would that be important? Because Jesus came to this earth and never sinned. Scripture says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. I have, you have, we, all, we have all disobeyed God. We have all been separated from God. But Jesus came and he didn't, he lived a perfect life. So why would that be important to you and me? He was never separated from God in the mortal or eternally until he did something for you, for you. This is what he did for you. He said all of that disobedience, all of that defying God, all of that following Satan, Jesus said, I will take the punishment for you. I will let him mock me, spit on me, whip me, put a crown of thorns on me, take me up to a cross, and I will die on your behalf. And you think, well, did he just go to heaven? No, because he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he who knew no sin became sin so that I might have right standing with God. He took my punishment at the cross so that when I stand before God, God has nothing to punish me for because he's already punished Jesus on my behalf. Jesus took that punishment for me. And you're saying, okay, well, how do I claim that? You believe it, the scripture says. You believe that you have disobeyed God, that you have defiled God, that you have done things he told you not to do and not done the things he's told you, that you have decided, I need what Jesus did on the cross applied to my account. I need him to have died for my sins. I'm gonna believe he did that for me, 
that they buried him, that through the power of the spirit, he rose to walk again. Why would that be important? Because if he had died and stayed in the tomb, he would just be another prophet that did some miraculous things. But instead he was raised from the dead to show you that he has power over death and he can give you an eternal life with Jesus. Now in the Bible, death is about separation from God or an eternity with Jesus. Jesus gives you an eternity in heaven with God because he overcame death, which is separation from God. And today, right now in this room, it's being offered to you. Because see, I think a lot of people I talk to, a lot of people I talk to believe they're gonna stand before God and they're gonna tell them how many good things they did compared to the bad things. I helped a whole lot more people on the street corner. I gave them money. I went to church every single week. I prayed before every single meal. I was nice to my coworkers. All that is good. But how many times did Adam and Eve sin to be separated from God? That's all it took. You're following Satan and not God, but God's offering you the way back. What's the way back? By believing Jesus died for you. And God through that will pull you into the kingdom of God to be with him forever. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. Not a preacher's trick, just getting you alone with you. Are you ready to stand before God? Are you ready to stand before God? Because your days are numbered, they're ordained. Are you ready to stand before him? And are you gonna to try to convince him you were a good person? Are you gonna say, you know what? I did disobey you. I have defiled. I have been disobedient. And so I want you to take what Jesus did on the cross and apply it to me. I wanna be forgiven. I want all of my sins taken care of by Jesus at the cross. I believe he did that for me. I believe he rose from the dead and he offers me eternal life with you and that's what I want, God, and I'm taking it right now. I'm believing it right now. I'm accepting it for my life. I'm walking out of this church today knowing I am in the kingdom of God. I am saved. I am forgiven and you are sending your Holy Spirit to me to give me new desires. That's what I want today, God. Come and save me. With your eyes still closed, Scripture says that when one person decides, I need what Jesus did for me, one person, all of heaven rejoices. And right now, I just want to know, is there a party going on in heaven for you? Me and you, eyes closed. If you accepted Christ today and you said, I need what he did for me, would you just raise your hand? I see you. Who else? You? You? I see you. Praise God. I see you back there. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Something just happened that I want you to be aware of. You, the scripture says, just got transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. just got brought into the kingdom of God and God is now sending his spirit to you to help you walk, to help you see him, to help you have new desires, to help you fight against the enemy, to allow you to walk and join peace and listen to me and to allow you on that day when your days are numbered to step out of here straight into the presence of Jesus. Praise God. Stand to your feet. I'm going to ask my altar ministers to come forward. 
Because I think there are people in this place that need a new day. I, I think you know where you're at is not where you need to be. I think you know you're struggling with things that you know you shouldn't be struggling with. I think you need some freedom and some chains broken. You need some finances. You need some relationship issues. You need some healing and health in your body. There are things that God wants to give you today. And I praise God that this group of people up here has spent their week praying to be prepared to pray for you. They want to pray for you. They want you to have freedom. They want you to have joy. They want you to have peace. Don't leave here today wishing that I had gone forward, thinking I probably should have had them pray for my mom, probably should have had them pray for my kids, probably should have had them pray for this pain I got in my back. Don't leave here thinking that. Get up here and get it done. Let's get it healed. Let's get it taken care of. God loves you. God wants to heal you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we're here because we are your children who get to spend an eternity with you. And while we're here, we will live as Christ because we know to die is gain. But right now, God, I just want my life to be surrendered to your will for me. I wanna be prepared for all that you have for my eternity. We bless you, God, as our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We're really excited that Pastor Todd has released his first book of 2023, Love Never Lies. He shares with us how Jesus loves us, but he always tells us the truth about sin and righteousness and how we should act in this world. The world wants to tell us what the Bible says about these things and how our understanding is unloving, even hateful. But we must look for ourselves at the Bible and at Jesus and see that Jesus loves everyone, but he never compromises on truth. This new book is very relevant to all Christians in today's crazy times. Love Never Lies is available on Amazon now. This podcast is brought to you by Revived Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.